Geico gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that Geico is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you, like your wife when you forget your keys at work. Hey, hon, you get my texts? I am looking for the spare house key. Hmm, maybe I can get through the window. Ah, <laughs> turns out the alarm works. <laughs> Wow, it, it works fast. You, you, you should probably call me back. Geico, always there for you, with savings and 24-7 access to licensed agents. Hello and welcome to This Feels Terrible, the podcast. I'm your host, Erin McGathy. This week on the podcast, I have uh, Australian-born, London-living comedian, Beck Hill, and we have a pretty a pretty wide-ranging, uh, great conversation about uh, fetishes and religion and relationships, <laughs> of course, as we do every week on the podcast. I, um, I'm, I feel, uh, right now I'm feeling this, this very ex- excited, um, excited, excited nerves, uh, which is, which is flowing into everything I'm doing right now because, um, my, uh, my boyfriend from Ireland is joining me in Los Angeles in a couple of days, uh, day after tomorrow. And I'm sitting among a bunch of paints and uh, a big sign because I'm welcoming him at the airport with a sign. And normally I wouldn't tell people to uh, welcome their boyfriends or girlfriends at an airport with a sign because it might put a little bit of pressure on that person. But the impression that I got traveling around Ireland and the UK and Europe in general was that people do a lot more to welcome people at the airport. So it seems like it seems like something I should do as a nice cultural thing. I also tend to in relationships um uh kind of flaunt my um <laughs> thoughtfulness. No, that's not that's not accurate. Um I don't know. I like I like doing cute things, whatever. I like I like making, I like painting little signs. I looked up how to say, welcome to Ireland, or welcome to Ireland. I learned how to say, um, I looked it up on Google. I did not learn how to say it because I don't actually know how to pronounce this, but I looked up how to say, welcome to California. And I painted it on a sign and I painted a little heart with sunglasses on it uh, because I want him to, I want there to be like a big list of fun things. I mean, that's also not true. It's not like a weird, it's not a weird divisive thing, making a sign. Um, I like creating moments. I like having, I like having nice moments and silly things. And uh, what is life? What is life but an assemblage of moments? And uh, yeah, I haven't talked too much about... I mean, I've talked about him a little bit. Uh, you guys know I have a boyfriend. Um, uh, yeah, but I, I haven't said, 
I'm excited to see what he thinks of Los Angeles. He's he's joining me out here for the summer. Um, while I'm out here for the summer, while I do my This Feels Terrible live tour, which will be happening in July, dates will be announced soon. Um, I'm very excited about the route we're taking, but um, I'm taking my Irish boyfriend along and he's going to be helping me along the way, which is a really, really exciting thing for me because... I've always fantasized about having a family band, and this seems like the closest thing to having a family band. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I also love adventure, and I love road trips, and all of these things are, um, are happening for me this summer, guys. Uh, on top of the tour happening, such, such exciting news. And I'm, I'm genuinely so thrilled about this. Um, we have a sponsor. Um, and I, we've, we've had, we've had sponsors occasionally back in the past and back in the past. You know what I find more annoying than me misspeaking is when I repeat my mistake as if I'm the first person to ever make a mistake and I think it's adorable or something, but I don't, I I'm annoyed by it and I'm chiding myself and then I listen back to it and it, and it annoys me anymore, even more. Um, but, uh, anyway, I am moving, (laughs) moving right along. I have a sponsor. We have a sponsor and it is a sponsor. Very appropriate to me because babies, um, and I wish I could call you babies, babes, listeners. Uh, side note, if you have a good name here, we're going to do a contest <laughs> here. Yes, this is a contest, a contest that I, I've just conceived of that I 100% will commit to and follow through with. The contest is to come up with a good name for this feels terrible listeners. All the great podcasts have a very catchy name for the people who listen to their podcast. I'm very into the idea of clubs and secret societies. I feel a connection to you if you're listening to this podcast, unless you're hate listening. <laughs> in that case, more power to you. Um, actually, please write in if you're hate listening to this podcast, because I have a lot of I have a lot of questions for you. Um, I'd also you could tell me your interests, and I could give you like a bunch of podcasts that you might sincerely enjoy, because that's the beauty of podcasts. Uh, because like people, there are there there's a wide variety of podcasts and you don't have to spend time with anyone you don't want to spend time with. OK, so what is a name? The contest is for a name for the listeners, a fun lane name. Here are some really stupid ones that I want you to improve upon. Terriblinos. Feelers. Um. N- McGath, McGathers, uh, friends of McGathy, kind of like friends of Dorothy. We could do some sort of like secret, secrety sounding thing. That would be cool. Um, please send your suggestions or actually tweet them at me. That's good. Tweet them at me. My Twitter is at Aaron McGathy. Send me your suggestion for the best listener name. And the person who sends in the name, the name that I end up using that person will receive a special surprise for me in the mail. And that makes it sound like I'm going to send you a box of shit, like actual human shit. And that's disgusting. Why would I even say that? But um, it's going to be something good. Uh, 
Ah, speaking of boxes of shit, um, <laughs> when I was a camp counselor, there was um, there was a prank war happening between the um, oldest girls bunk where I was a counselor and the oldest boys bunk, and it started out fun. I'm trying. I'm having a hard time remembering like some of the earlier pranks that were just kind of silly. But at one point, the boys shit into shit into a shoebox and and like because the way the pranks work at a summer camp as you would guess it's like you know it's it's like a, it's like a war where you you make moves you take turns and you try to out out prank the other person and then you you know kind of it's like it's it's a game of chicken to see who's going to eventually stop and the girls side stopped because the boys walked up and I saw this happen they meant to they meant to leave a box of human shit on our doorstep like a present but when they were walking up to the porch of our cabin and i was outside and i saw this happen one of the campers opened the door cuz she saw him them coming or something and in out of nervousness the boy camper who was just supposed to leave the box there threw the box just like <laughs> like flapped his hand and flew <laughs> through the box of shit which then opened and so then there was just human shit on the <laughs> on the uh on the porch and it was just you know it was just it was just too far it's just too far. So I will not do that. I will not throw human shit at you if you come up with a with the best name for what I want to call the listeners. So on to the sponsor. Uh, guys, I enjoy wine. I've especially been getting into wine lately because I am a hot young divorcee. And that seems, wine seems like the thing I should be drinking. No, I do not have a teenage son who has friends who I can be creepy with in the kitchen with a glass of wine, which is unfortunate, but I can certainly practice. Club W, <laughs> which probably doesn't want to be associated with, uh, with that, with that idea. Um, Stickler's mom, not Stickler, that, his, that character's name was not Stickler. Okay, if you're still listening, I'm sorry, Club W. I've always fantasized about being part of a wine club because that seems I've always I've always thought of like a delivery of a bunch of wines as being a very fancy, decadent, fun thing. Like the people who belong to wine clubs where they get a delivery of wine every month have friends because their friends are coming over and they have the kind of life where you you people friends come over and you can just say like ah oh, do you guys let me break open a bottle of wine like they have a reserve of wine which i i have been doing actually for the last last several years i, I try to have a reserve of wine i haven't very recently because i've been so nomadic but i'm renting a room in my friend's house and they have a reserve of wine and it's very cool and people come over and there's just there's just fucking wine and it's and it's fantastic and club w is actually like a really affordable program and it's extra cool like i i always wanted to be part of a wine club but i never was because it always seemed like always seemed very hard to get out of like you couldn't cancel at every time, at, at, at every time or any time. Also, if you, I'm, not, I'm somebody who really does not like sweet wines. I really, really don't like sweet wines. And I don't even really 
like white wine that much. And with a wine club, a traditional wine club, what you're getting is whatever they're deciding you should have. So you can kind of like taste a bunch of different things, which is fine. But I personally like drinking things that I like to drink. And with Club W, what you're going to do, because this is genuinely very cool and I have done it and it's great. Go to clubw.com slash this feels terrible. And here's the cool thing. You don't get wines you don't want because you take a palate quiz. Pom, 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 palate quiz. It's six questions. It takes two seconds and they recommend wines based on those questions. It's a palate quiz. And guess what? Club W will pay for your shipping if you have four bottles or more. They have a great website. It's all very clear. If you like wine or you want to get into wine or if you're, if you are somebody who is single, and is wanting to get into entertaining um, and wants to maybe impress somebody who's coming over, I'm going to highly recommend doing this Club W thing. You're going to go to clubw.com slash this feels terrible and enjoy. You're welcome. You are welcome. All right, moving on to the podcast. I was in London a couple of weeks ago and I went to the Soho Theater for drinks. And while I was there, I saw across the room this woman who I recognized from, literally recognized from her great fringe, the Edinburgh Fringe poster. Like I had seen, it was one of those moments where like I had, I had seen her before from these posters and then I remember that she was, she's friends with um, Davey Riley previous episode previous this feels terrible guest who is from um, Dublin and I approached her and we ended up having this great conversation we scheduled a podcast recording for the next day she's wonderful her name is Beck Hill she's super super funny after we recorded this podcast she invited me to go see a show that she did which was a very like the actual show she was headlining and the actual show was like it was a very oddly produced show and the audience was kind of all was was kind of confused about what was going on and she got up and she just she killed and was so funny and made everyone feel so good and safe and she's just a hilarious, wonderful person. She's a host of the DC Fancast on Sky, if you're in the UK. And she's performed at the Fringe Festival several several times and won a bazillion awards. And she's super funny. And we talk about all matter of things. She's great. Please enjoy this conversation with Beck Hill. The problem with this fancy dress is that I can't sit the way I like to sit, which is cross-legged. So I'm going to sit like I'm sitting side-saddle. I'll be rubbing it in with all my different <laughs> yoga poses. Well, maybe I'll... Yeah. No, I'll, <laughs> I'll it's, like, it's a very comfy lounge, but um, the problem is, is we have... The flat is so small, we don't have anywhere for a dining table. Oh. So we have a fold-out table that sometimes comes out if we want to feel fancy and sit at a <laughs> table to eat. It... It feels it feels so so cozy in here. I'm I'm very jealous that you live in this very cozy flat with a very nice Scottish man. It's we're pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It could be. I mean, it costs a lot to get this kind of coziness. Yeah, yeah. But it's nice. 
It's nice. You have a nice. You have a nice life. Nice Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. To you. Oh, that, really? Okay. You have a you have an adventurous life. I do. I yeah. do. No, I have a nice life. Yeah. yeah. I have no 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 place to complain. I have You're... everything I need and a lot of what I want. Yes. Which is what my therapist tells me to say to <laughs> <laughs> repeat over and over again. Uh, so you had a story you want to start with? Oh, yeah. So I do, like, I have a bad date story that I tell on stage, which I will not tell your listeners because <laughs> they should come see me on stage. Even Good. though I, am, I imagine most of them are not based in London. They're probably all in the same. Well, I know oh, you do have followers here. You Thank had one you. from West Australia on your last one. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of, I mean, Western Australia isn't near anything really. Mm. But yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think, I don't know, I, I I think one of my worst memories is is just uh, a, a boy I was best friends with in, in high school. We were, really, we were in like five out of six of our classes. Mm. So we had loads in common and... And we sat next to each other and stuff. But he was quite popular and cool and very good looking. And I was aware of that, but I was also aware of where I stood <laughs> on the range of good looking people at school. You know, I was pretty, I was happy. I was in the middle. I'll, I'll say that. Like okay. I wasn't, I wasn't like, but at the same time, it was certainly too awkward to be considered, uh, what's the word? I, I wasn't so good looking that I didn't have to try at everything <laughs> you know what I mean so um <laughs> were you were you as as cool as you are now because you're very you you have like a obviously like have a very cool colorful I, d- I don't know if cool's the word the people who call me cool uh I think I don't think I'm cool I think I'm very comfortable and confident in what I wear and do mm. And I guess to people, that's the cool. Like, I'm yeah. not, like, I'm such a, um, I'm a dork. Like, I'm a proper dork. And I don't mean that in a, like, <laughs> I'm such a geek sometimes. Like, I'm a, just a, a massive dork. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, like, this is the most matching outfit I've ever had and it's still not like it's a stripy skirt with a leopard print jacket. It looks great. You know, you know what it reminds me of? It, you... I, I immediately feel comfortable talking to you because you look like, you know, like a set in one, in a, in a, like a set of dolls where there's like the strawberry flavored doll yeah. and that, like oh, you're yeah. like the blueberry doll because you have the blue like hair and the blue jacket do- and yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, you're, and you have like a little blue animal and a blue house and that whole thing. It would be like that, wouldn't it? I'd just live in a giant blueberry. Yeah. Yeah. Where do they find those fruits? They're so big. <laughs> Giant blueberries? Yeah. Roll doll books. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. We should all live in a roll doll book. Which is your favorite roll doll book? Uh, George's Marvelous Medicine. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I just love the fact that he poured loads of stuff into a thing and it made a potion. <laughs> and I tried to do that so much as a kid. I'd be that kid where whenever I had a bath, I would pour all of the things on the bath like mum's nice bath salts and <laughs> yeah, like yeah. do you remember those um they weren't bath bombs they were like these little pouch things of sachets yeah yeah but they were like the, the even that part would uh would dissolve yeah i think i know it'd be filled with like yeah. oil bath oils and stuff yes oh yeah and they'd be yeah. squidgy yes yeah. yeah and then the like the little the skins 
you would play with the skins until yeah. they dissolved. They're yeah. like bath grapes. Yeah, yeah. They don't. I don't what think they make those. I don't know. I always got those like from my grandparents when they didn't know what to give me for Christmas, like yeah. inside of like a little basket with a bunch of bath stuff, and I'd be like, Ugh. we had so many of those. Yeah. So Did many. you ever try to eat one? No, I think that's probably why they got rid of. Did you try any? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they tasted really toxic and terrible. Yeah, because they looked like they would be good. They do. There's a there's a comedian called Sarah Bonetto, and she and I were on tour in uh, Newcastle once, and uh, we did a gig for a uni, and the uni gave us a little gift bag mm. afterwards, and there was a toiletry thing, and she had left her toothpaste at home, and I got this text from her like five minutes after we'd said goodnight from her room just saying, if you've forgotten toothpaste, do not use the body wash in the gift bag. And I was like, what, what made you think that that was a, like, why would that be okay? And I just, like, every kid has eaten soap at some stage. Surely. Yeah. God, I have way too many examples about like that where I've used something or something else. I, I use bleach on my actual teeth once. Oh, oh, that's a really good way. And I was like 24. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I thought I knew better than everything. And I was like, I was going to do a show and I didn't have any, I was babysitting and I couldn't find any toothpaste. And I was like, ah, just a little bit of bleach and I'll rinse it out really fast. It was such a. I love that you were looking after children as well. (laughs) You're in charge of children. I'm just going to put this bleach in my mouth. Such a bad idea. And I swallowed an earring last night. I came in here and the first thing I told you was that I swallowed an earring. It's a miracle I'm alive. So, um, you were in high school and your best friend was, yes. this, was this really handsome I'm really guy. good at getting off subject. Um, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah, and my best friend was, uh, yeah, he was cute. And I'm not going to say his name because I'm terrified he's going to listen to this. Uh, Let's call him Trevor. Trevor. I'm Trevor. All right, yeah. And uh, Trevor and I were really close and we hung out all the time. And, um, but not at school. We'd hang out outside of school, but like he had his friends and I had my friends. Um, but they, our, our um, friends knew that we were mates and we got Mm. along and stuff. And I remember all of my friends being like, Trevor's cute. You should, you, like, it was weird. They were calling him Trevor. They must have known in advance that this was going to get talked about. They're like, oh, Trevor's cute. You should, you should go out with him. And I was like, no, he's not interested in me. Like, and I'm not interested in him. And I wasn't, yeah. I, I could appreciate the fact he was a good looking dude True. who I got on with, but I wasn't interested in. And, um, but they did, they did it so much that something in my brain went, well, maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe we should be going yeah. out. Like, he's attractive and we get on really well. Maybe that, maybe that's enough. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I remember staying at his place one night and, uh, cause we used to have like sleepovers, but we'd, we'd stay up all night watching movies and then mm. just like crash on the couch. And again, it was, it was so innocent and platonic and great. Yeah. And then, yeah, they got in my head and remember one of those nights we were watching something and I was like, well, I guess this is where I kiss him. And I kissed him. <laughs> And he uh. like physically recoiled, like <laughs> like as if as if as if I just tried to, as if I had like dog crap like all <laughs> over my face, and I tried to rub it on his face with my face. Yeah. Like he he moved back, and he and he pulled this kind of like, what are you doing? Like kind of, and I still oh. see it when I close my eyes oh, sometimes. <laughs> and I <Justin>. remember. <laughs> And I remember thinking at that moment, that was when I realized I'm not as attractive to everyone as I think I am in my head. I was like, because in my head, I was like, 
he's clearly like the idea of him being attracted to me. That's not a problem here, but right. I, but it was like I, you know, <laughs> um, I realize now looking back, I'm like, oh, I was not his type, and uh, yeah, it just and it, I, we were still friends, but then uh, things got. Did you guys talk about it? No, we didn't. I think I apologized and then he was like, that's okay. And then things got really awkward and we kind of managed to patch things up. And then I, I told a friend, a really good friend of mine, and I was like, oh, I, I kissed Trevor. And, and she was like, oh, wow. Okay. And I was like, yeah, I think I've kind of ruined things there. And she's like, oh, no. <laughs> And then, um, and she didn't really know him that well and, mm-hmm. and vice versa. And then at my 18th birthday, uh, they both realized that they're both smokers. And mm-hmm. so they kept sneaking off around the corner to have a smoke, you know, so that the parents didn't know. And, um, and they came and I remember they were hanging out loads that day and they did have loads in common. It made sense because I was really good friends with both of them. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they got really chummy. And I remember oh, she yeah. said to me, uh oh and in between this time as well he'd had this like girlfriend who had really put him through the ringer like mentally um and he'd said to me <laughs> not not physically no no <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, and and he'd said to me after that happened he said don't let me go out with anyone cuz i really need to enjoy being single for a while and i was like yeah mm-hmm. cool man like i get that <laughs> and then um yeah and so she texted me that night after the party and she was like do you reckon I've got a chance? And I was like, oh, he's just got to have something really full on. Like, he's not looking for anything. And she was like, oh, okay. And then it turns out that he was really interested in her and eventually they hooked up and got together. Mm. And then I just didn't see either of them. And I think it's because she'd said to him, oh, I asked Beck if you'd be interested. And he'd gone, yeah, I was. And she went, well, she said you weren't. And I think she thought this was part of some great plan of mine to keep them away right. from each other and if anything uh, I was really happy that they got together because I was like well that takes yeah. the it takes the heat off our <laughs> awkwardness and um yeah and so I, I I kind of lost touch with them for ages and oh. then yeah like years later so you were totally you were totally fine with them dating it didn't make yeah, you feel that's good my, no my biggest issue with the with with everything was the fact that they um both stopped hanging out with yeah, me. Yeah, um, And uh, that really hurt. And we're Facebook friends now. Mm. We're all, they've got two kids. <gasps> oh, they're, they're totally married. married. Oh, wow. <laughs> they got married and I wasn't even wow. invited to the wedding. And I was like, I bloody introduced you guys. <laughs> so, um, uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And so that's, that's well, Trevor um, and Maria. Trevor and Maria, as they'll forever be known. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just, um, that's rough. Yeah, and I think that what happened Not to try after to make that, you feel worse about this, but I think you should. You think I'm I just should kidding. feel worse about it? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just that, so sad when you lose friends in that way, when it yeah, doesn't feel like you need to. But It's yeah. one of very few friendships that ended unnaturally for, for a long time, and, and mm-hmm. that kind of stuck with me. But also I realized uh, a lot later in life that um, the effect that that had on me meant that I... I then stopped pursuing anyone I was physically attracted to. Like really? I just told myself, well, they're physically attractive. <laughs> I'm not going to be interested in you. <laughs> and then had a string of boyfriends who were very lovely and very funny and attractive to other people, but not yeah. my type. And really? um, and lovely boyfriends as well. Like yeah. they're great guys. But uh, when I met Gavin, who you met as you mm-hmm. came over, who um, is now my fiance, I didn't, yeah, it took about a month before I could gain the courage to 
express that I was interested because I was like, well, he's good looking. <laughs> he couldn't possibly be interested in me. This must be a interesting. Must be just a friendship thing. It's probably yeah. using me to get to my other friend. <laughs> they'll get married and have kids. <laughs> That is the way uh, the world works. Yeah. That's uh that's really interesting. That from that one case study after that you're like I've I've figured it out. Yeah. 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 Like a long like many years and many a string of monogamous relationships with yeah. with very wonderful not my type men. Mm. Um what if you were to describe your type what is your type? Uh Scottish, <laughs> hairy. Uh, I I realised my type is um, that kind of homeless look, which, and I realised that on the day I think that, that I could also be called like a professor look. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah, uh, hipster is probably mm-hmm. yeah. I I checked out a dude um, maybe like a year ago in Camden, where I live, and uh, sort of did the whole like. Check it out, and then realized he uh, wasn't wearing shoes and was carrying a box. And I was like, "Oh, yep, just checked out a homeless dude." Um, which is, you know, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, homeless people can be good looking too. Of course. Yeah, I've um, had that. I've had that several times, and then realized that I'm actually looking at like a very old grandmother from far away. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, that guy has a cool, cool cardigan and uh, like that. Oh, flowered pants. Daring. Yeah. Daring. <laughs> I like oh, how he's bleached his hair completely yeah. white. Oh, he's wearing a world's it. best grandmother t-shirt. Fun. Yeah, and has, has seemingly very small children <laughs> in their care. Ah, I'm just very, very oh, into Oh, look, he's offering me butterscotch. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that's like, that's probably, exactly. that's my I mean, type. My type is someone who gives me butterscotch. Oh, God. What a dream world if hot men offer, also offered you candy, like in the way that. Like, like an <laughs> adult <imagine>. <laughs> Yeah. But if it was like a charming thing, like if society was totally different and that wasn't a very like strange thing. I would I would immediately assume like if that happened in real life if a handsome man was like hey like here's a butterscotch I would think ew you want to you want to watch me eat candy <laughs> <laughs> like you want to fat me up like that sort of thing do do you ever see those things where they like talk about like uh um how weird fetishes where people would like pay to watch you eat a buffet or something like that <laughs> yeah and you think. Yeah, yeah, I reckon I would do that. Like that's what I do anyway. Yeah, might as well get some money for it. I I once uh, I was performing at this theater and they got a letter into the theater from this audience member that wanted to buy my tights. And were they cool tights? <laughs> like were they like as you know when you they were just normal. They're just normal tights. <laughs> it wasn't like ah oh, those 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 cool cat tights. Where can I buy those? No, he yeah. was like. Uh, you have a performer named Aaron McGathy, and I would uh, re- uh, politely like to request her information so that I can buy her tights. And I was really poor at the time, and we all laughed about it. I wanted to buy tights for you. No, no, wanted no, to wanted buy to the bu- bu- buy oh. the tights that I wore. That's like they're like the mankiest of all the clothes that I wear as well, because they yeah. don't. Not only do they get crotch smell, right, but they get feet smell as well. Yeah, but it's I mean like that's part of that fetish. Smells. I mean, to them, to this person, and we would all he laugh at them. Or would he like? I don't know. I don't know. Actually, that's... you should interview him. You should track yeah. him down and get him on this podcast. 
Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Or you put him on his face. What, I don't know what the process is with that. So he did it through the venue that you were... Yeah, he went through the venue and then we all kind of... The people that were there, we all kind of laughed about it. But then I later... Because he wanted to give me $20 for them. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's a good rate for tights. The end of the story is a couple of weeks later, I secretly sold him my tights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I'm really proud. Also, I quite, I appreciate the fact that he went through the venue and he wasn't like just waiting right. for you outside the show. Oh God. Like he gave you an out. Like you could have been like, you could have been like completely disgusted by that. Yeah. And yeah. Then just, this, and then that would have been fine. You wouldn't have had to contact him or right. be near him. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, as I, far as weird transactions go, <laughs> I think it's fairly reasonable. Yeah. I uh, That led, <laughs> at the time I was living with my friend Daniel, and I told him about it. And we, we divide, like one night we're like, I know what we'll do. We'll go to the grocery store. We'll buy, buy a ton of really cheap tights. And so we did this because we went on eBay. We found that there was this whole market for <laughs> used tights. And I used just underwear threw and also- two pairs out the other day. Right. Well, I mean, I, they're still yeah. in the bin. I could get them out. It'd probably add to the worn effect. Mm, I mean, that's a big, that's a big thing. Uh, but <laughs> that we spent, I think we spent two nights creating like a little tight factory where I would take the tights and like do jumping jacks in the other room. I've never talked about this before. This is incredible. <laughs> would take the tights, go in the other room, and we would cackle about it. Because we've been, this my a friend that I've known since high school, and we're, we're just laughing his, hysterically at how uh, bizarre that all was. But like we'd go, I would go in the other room and do jumping jacks and then come back and he would wrap them up in tissue paper and then put them in these little envelopes. And we sold a few of them, and then like three days after, it, we're like, ah, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel good. I think you've tapped into something though that charities could really <laughs> like. We should do a charity night, yeah. okay? So let's put on a charity comedy night, okay? Yeah, we'll we'll do an all female lineup. Mm-hmm. They can all wear tights. We'll make okay. a really physical show. <laughs> And then afterwards, and we'll have like, we'll get photos, video and stuff. So it's sure, sure. And then Putting we'll on shoes, taking off shoes. Put them up for auction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all the money goes to charity. What would you call that? Type five. <laughs> and everyone has to do five minutes. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Type five. That's very good. Benefiting. And it's five of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, type five. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I uh, I wonder I wonder where that fetish comes from, that tights fetish. Mm. Yeah, I, I always I often wonder where fetishes originate and the more strange ones. Like how do people? I like I, I think a lot of it is porn. Mm. A lot of it comes. Out. Really, you think it's first from seeing the porn and then? Yeah, I reckon. Like, mm. well, I reckon if you get used to to a certain amount of porn and then you find that that's not doing so much then you kind of start moving along oh I see and, that, and then you'll re- it's like see a gateway what other people are into <laughs> okay. yeah exactly it's a theory I could be wrong <laughs> um but then I yeah like before porn was so readily available mm-hmm. I mean it's always been around but before it was was that easy when it was just on like, playing cards and stuff and magazines yeah, and yeah the exactly mm-hmm. I do wonder how certain people I guess maybe partners <laughs> You know, when they'd be like, I want you to, 
I want you to smell my tights and use them right, as a yeah. gag or whatever. And they'd I wonder, be like, that's weird. But then they get into it. Yeah. I wonder if that man actually ever like communicated that with his partners. I, I, would, I would guess it would be pretty hard to... I mean, it's a lot easier to just reach out to a stranger and say, I want your tights. It's a little bit harder to tell the person that you love those things if you're ashamed of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I Do you... Do you have you experienced that sort of thing in a relationship, having to communicate no, things like that? I don't think I've had anything that's been particularly interesting. Nothing like <laughs> out of the norm. Right, yeah. Unless I've erased it from my memory. <laughs> no, I don't think I have. Things have been like, hey, you know what really turns me on? <laughs> Awkward humping. <laughs> Did a lot of that in my teens. Ah. <laughs> Very good. Were you, yeah, when did you start, when did you start humping? When did you start? <laughs> Get very personal. Um, or when did you, when, when did I start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I, I, and we've talked about this briefly. I, I, um, because I was born again Christian, which I hate using the term born again because it mm. kind of comes with certain connotations. Um, but I decided uh, I was in my teens when I became Christian. Okay. And so I did the whole like purity thing. How like, how old are you? What are you? 14. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to wait till marriage. Which and at 14 that- is a very easy thing to decide. Yes. Because yeah, like, I did the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite, you know, it's not really something that affects you at that point so much. Um, I was, my friends all knew about it. Uh, potential boyfriends always knew about it, but I don't know. Like, I think I already decided early on. Well, I mean, I think, do you know what? I think the problem is they're very vague about what that means waiting mm. till marriage, like right. super vague. Yeah. Cause in my head growing up, sex was always intercourse. Mm. So, you know, like when I went out with people were like, well, I'm making out with this person. So it only makes sense that it would go further than this. Mm-hmm. So when I was maybe like 15 or 16, I was like probably just as sexually active as my friends. Right. But in my mind, I was still like waiting to marriage because I hadn't like put a willy in my vagina yet. So I was like super pure, but I wasn't, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. And um, I think eventually, uh, but I, you know, I'd kind of uh, maintained that until I was 21. Mm-hmm. And then, in fact, it was Gav who you met. When he oh. came in, uh, he was very willing to to wait, which was which was cool, and and I appreciated that. My that's another reason my boyfriend has been so lovely. Like no no one at at no point have I I'd maybe have a boyfriend say, oh, I wish we could, but right. you know, I never felt. And those are all twenty one or younger. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're all like, in fact, old. Some you know, um, I think my before I met Gav, my boyfriend was like 26 or something so that's still like and we went out for maybe two mm-hmm. years about that time so that's yeah I mean it was good I mean as I as I always like to say mm, I'm obviously doing something right <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously providing some sort of uh what's the term satisfaction <laughs> that, that it's not as big a deal but uh yeah um Gav was really cool to wait and then eventually I just went oh why am I waiting but there's nothing mm-hmm. – at that point, I think I already knew that we were probably going to be together long-term. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think I just went, yeah, I there's no – I've done everything else. And, mm-hmm. you know, in some cultures, those things are worse. Right. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I was, I, was, I was 21 
when I first had like proper intercourse and then I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. No, that's about, yeah, that's what I was expecting. Um, <laughs> you know, no, no, not trying to put down Gav or anything. I'm not, I think, <laughs> no, of course I think uh, anyone could have, <laughs> could have done that. Um, but I've got a friend, I've got another friend who, who, uh, sort of very similar background to me. And, uh, and she only just recently was like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. And she's like mm, 26. Yeah. And she's just, Finally, That's a long actually, she's older, I think, 27 or something. But uh, she just went, oh, I don't even know. Like, I'm sorry, there's no point now. She's yeah. like, I might as well just get it out of the way. And, uh, and yeah, sure enough, she she called me and she was like, yeah, yeah, it was just what I expected. I was like, do you feel different? She's like, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would imagine that it's, it's putting a lot of importance on something that is, is like you're saying, not, not like the actual act of intercourse is the – Transactional is the wrong word, but it's it's such a. I'm just saying. It's, it's so not- much to do with like the emotions that you apply to it. I think and yeah, yeah. I certainly I've never been out. I've never been able to do anything sexual with someone who I didn't want to be with on a long term basis. Like mm-hmm. like I I've only ever done stuff with people who I've in my heart like really loved. Yeah. Um, but That's I'm nice. also aware that some people don't. Like mm-hmm. some people don't need to have that. And I've also found that sometimes if I do, sometimes it will come first. Like sometimes I get uh, physically, uh, I, you know, I'll get physical with someone and then I suddenly like just crazy fall in love with them because I can't separate my emotions from my physical yeah. feelings. But I'm also aware that that pe- different people are wired differently. And some, pe- some of my friends are like, oh, I, I crave sex, but I'm – I, you know, I don't fall in love with people. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you do what you got to do. You <laughs> do just you make any... sure that everyone's on the same page. Yeah. Do you have any judgment for that? For no, no, sex? no. The only time I, the only time I, and I wouldn't judge the act itself. The only time I, I guess I ever get a bit, hmm, is when, and it's so rare because I've got awesome mates, but occasionally when you go, yeah, but you're leading that, that person on, you know, like if yeah, someone's yeah. sleeping with someone and, and the other person clearly wants it to be more. True, yeah. And then the other one's not. And they're not necessarily being upfront about that. Mm-hmm. Like you've got a – there's a responsibility to each other. And yeah. And one of them is – like, and also friends who would – I had one friend who would um, would sleep with guys regularly and then like come to me in absolute tears and was like, why doesn't anyone want to be my boyfriend? And I was like – do you tell them you want a boyfriend? And she's like, no, that'd scare them. And I was like, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> like, go look for a boyfriend. Don't look, don't go to someone and be like, yeah, I'm in for casual sex. How about you? And they go, yeah. yes. And then you go, why is this casual? Because <laughs> like, it's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. And we do, I mean, I think as, I mean, just sweeping generalization as women, we do that a lot anyway, just pretend to ourselves and to, sex partners that were but that were fine not having a relationship when maybe that's what we want well I guess men and women do that obviously I think I know I've done that no yeah I culturally I think it tends to be more women just because of uh the way society's run for so long Mm -hmm. but yeah I I, I'm aware that it's not just women just happens to be more women right of course because men weren't necessarily brought up being told Oh, you'd be so much more desirable if you didn't want a relationship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
This is true. What can you tell me about um, when you became born again Christian and how that came about? Um, it was uh, a friend um, invited me to this uh, Easter weekend youth event, like a camp type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked camps. And um, <laughs> sure. so she invited me along to that. And fortunately, it was a, just a really cool church and um, quite relaxed, quite liberal. And uh, it was mainly just sort of normal camp type events, you know. Mm-hmm. I just do games and that sort of stuff. And they they had some like worship stuff, you know, with, with songs and everything. But, uh, you know, I can hack that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not actually my favorite part, to be honest. But <laughs> I, yeah, like it was, it was a bit of fun. But I, what really overwhelmed me more than anything is um, how how happy everyone was, and they, I really felt like they had something that I didn't. And I grew mm-hmm. up in a really left wing liberal political family. I'm very thankful for that. A uh, very open minded family, and uh, and they, you know, were really kind of told my brother and I straight up about the world and what goes on and, um, yeah, and I've always been really thankful for that. But my dad was always trying to change the world through politics and I remember going to countless rallies as a kid and going with him canvassing when it was election time and 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 it just – I remember seeing seeing him as this – like hitting his head against a brick wall. Like my parents were consistently trying to change the world for the better and I appreciated that. But I also saw the very real side from an early age of of how that can just get you get nowhere sometimes. Mm. And um not saying that politics isn't important, it really is, and I think everyone should keep fighting the good fight. But um what struck me about these you know, spending this weekend with all these Christians and I was like they, I kind of, despite the fact that they were um, trying to make the world a better place and had all these uh, ideas of of ways of treating each other kindly and stuff, like they just did it. They were just kind to each other and they were really nice and and, but but not nice because they were trying to make people feel good. They were mm-hmm. nice because that was the right thing to do. And sometimes that involves saying to someone, "I think your actions are hurting yourself" or whatever. And mm. But you knew it came from a good place, and I don't know. It just it was. It felt like a way of achieving change, but from a very different place. Like not, it's, it wasn't just from politics. It feels very much from the brain, and mm. this uh, was the first time it experienced change from the heart, and it was very, it was a very spiritual thing. And uh, and then I sort of realized a lot of them was because they were trying to emulate um, Jesus and I thought I knew about Jesus but then I realized that I didn't and I I read up a lot about it and I spoke to a lot of people and I was like wow this is like what a an amazing guy and and what an achievement so uh yeah so I kind of said yeah I, I want to be Christian then when I was 16 I got baptized and how did your um, family feel about all that uh Generally, pretty good. Uh, it was the Uniting Church that I that I attended, and they were like at the forefront of, uh, like they were the first church in Australia to have female ministers and stuff like that. So, um, so in that side of things, my fa- my parents were like, "Well, if you're going to be religious, then at least you're with the more liberal one." Mm-hmm. Um, 
I remember at one stage I was when I was really happy about going to church and there was a there was a time where I would come home and be like so excited that I've been to church and also for for a while before I lost it I think I lost it in a tomato sauce you know you ate an earring <laughs> I um I used to work for Pizza Hut and I think okay. when I was um, putting together a, a big big tub of tomato sauce I think I dropped my ring in there but I had one of those purity rings <laughs> right yeah and um and before, uh, before I remember coming home with it, being like, "Mom, look, I've got a purity ring." And you know, you'd think like most parents would be like, "Oh, I'm so glad that my daughter <laughs> is abstaining." And my mom was like, "Don't go making decisions that you know you might change your mind about later." Mm-hmm. Like she was really, she didn't want me making decisions about my future when I was still quite young, which yeah. I I appreciate. Um, and at one stage, I do remember she went, "I think you're brainwashed." And I was like, "Ooh." <laughs> uh, uh, but then I think she saw how much it – like I, I was so much more active in terms of fundraising and, and charity and and trying to give back to society. And that's not to say that I'm not like – I'm not a – I'm not a good person, but but it but, but it did push me more than anything else. It motivated mm-hmm. me in ways. And also when we did go – like my, my – uh, parents then started to have quite a rocky marriage and, um, and like lots of other stuff. There was, um, quite a few things that happened sort of in my mid to late teens, not long afterwards, which were, uh, not, not to me, but around me that were quite upsetting. And like what? Uh, my, one of my good friends, uh, committed suicide, okay. which was really, which is one of the first times that I realized how, horrible depression is and how mm. you can think that someone's fine and really not know what was going on. And it wasn't until I met with other friends and we sort of talked about it that we sort of pieced together and realised she'd actually been desperately unhappy but none of us had mm. seen it because we'd all seen little parts of it. Right. And it wasn't until we pieced it together that we realised there's this massive hole. Yeah. And um, and uh, and then two more friends committed suicide. Jeez. Um, and this is all in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is all like when I was about sixteen. Like it all kind of happened around then. Yeah. Uh, and um, do do you think this is a very naive question? But no. was there something going on that I was just they so didn't many- know each other? Right. So okay. um, no, I think I just I I think uh, I just happened to know some people and with some very sad yeah backgrounds and. Um, uh, there was stuff going on with their with their families generally mm-hmm. in in each in each case, but uh, having a faith really helped me through that time. Like mm-hmm. really, really helped. And that wasn't to say that the people at the church always had the best advice or help for me, but just knowing right. they were there for me meant a lot. So you know, you'd sometimes have certain people from church who think that they know what you're supposed to hear, but they don't quite. And they might right. – I'm trying to think of an example of what they might say. They might say something like, well, you know, God has a place for everyone. And you're just course, like, yeah. fuck that. Like, don't tell me that right now. <laughs> but but I appreciated the fact that they they were there still, you know. And, they, sure. and, and it made me realize, like, if I ever felt like I was up against something that was that was impossible to tackle, that I was surrounded by people who – would be for me there for me in different ways. How did your faith affect your relationships or your friendships that you had before you became a Christian? 
My friends were really good about it, actually, and a lot of them were very atheist, and mm. it sometimes made them a bit angry, <laughs> and we had very heated discussions about it. Mm. But I was really, really fortunate to have just some really cool mates. In fact, most of my friends were atheist, so they were a bit like, Ugh, and they would tease me about being born again and oh, Beck's Christian and stuff, but I oh, don't say anything about Jesus, Beck's here. <laughs> um, but... I don't know. They were. And did you have any problems maintaining those friendships and being around people that weren't practicing what you were practicing? No, no, because I don't think I changed as a, I don't think I changed as a, like my personality. I think mm. I, I was very much the same person. Um, I think I just, uh, found certain qualities a bit easier in, in myself. Um, so if anything, actually, it, it ended up helping in a lot of situations. And there were a few friends who, when it was a one-on-one, would kind of go, thanks. You know? Yeah. Because <laughs> I would try and help out way more than I think I would have in the past. And because mm. I care about people's well-being. And, uh, yeah, I try my best not to force it on anyone. That was always something I was very careful of because I'd had that done to me before I was Christian. And that was right. why I was like a bit, Ooh. Yeah. But um do you ever feel like you need to disclose that you're Christian when you're talking to people? Like if they're do you ever how do you feel when people start speaking um I don't know, disparaging people with faiths and stuff? Do you feel like you need to stick up for Christianity in general? Um it's a good question. I guess um I hear I hear more of that happen on stage than I do off. Mhm. And generally speaking, I won't say anything unless I really feel like sometimes people are just venting and I, and, and whatever they're venting about, um, I won't necessarily jump in unless I really feel like they've said something that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, I won't, I won't lead with it. It's not my icebreaker. Right. The fact that you found out it was only because I'm doing this gig tonight. Right. I wouldn't have gone like, oh, I'm I'm Christian and I'm doing because this <laughs> Christian comedy gig, but I wouldn't normally open with it. Um, but most of my friends know, and I think it is one of those things where it might get mentioned, not behind my back, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm not there, I think people might go, oh, you know, she's Christian. You know, <laughs> generally speaking, everyone I know is super respectful of that, just sure. as I am of whatever they believe in, as long as it's not uh, kicking. Dogs. <laughs> I, if you believe in kicking dogs, then I'm sorry, but we can't be friends. And that's the only thing. That's the only thing. Yeah, everything else. <laughs> all the a very specific yeah. sect of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, it's very specific. Um, I'm sure you can take it to, I don't know, one of the others, probably Job or something weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I don't really open with it, but... Uh, if it comes up, then obviously I'll talk about it and I'm always open to discuss stuff with people. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's not – I don't think it's really affected. As far as I know, it's not really affected. Gav's not – not he's. I guess he's fairly agnostic. Okay. And it hasn't really affected our relationship. Occasionally really? he has to put up with me. <laughs> I, 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 read, um, I read a chapter of the New Testament every day with a – or every weekday with a – reflection written by someone mm-hmm. from a church in London called Oasis where I don't go because I'm lazy and I like to sleep in on a Sunday mm-hmm. but I so I like to see it as me 
um, practicing via correspondence. <laughs> but I've been um, reading these chapters and occasionally it'll be actually a really good chapter or or reflection on it and something, I have a bit of epiphany and I'm like, I have to share this with someone. So I like run through and, and read it out to Gavin. He's like, yep, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, that's about it. I think that's about as far as it goes. And if it does annoy him, he doesn't mention it. I think it'd have to be pretty bad for it to really get on someone's tits. Okay. When you, I mean, you, you guys are about to get married. Are you having a religious ceremony? Uh, yeah, we're, um, there's a sketch trio called Sad Faces and Mm -hmm. one of the guys in it, it's a lovely guy called Tom, Tom Crowley. And his dad is a church of England minister. And we went to his church for Christmas service a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And he did one of the best services, one of the best Christmas services I've ever um I've ever attended and talked about Dave Allen who is an incredible Irish comic who if you don't know you should look up especially if you're going to live there um <laughs> and uh, and he quoted him and and it was just a really beautiful service and uh, and he's very funny and obviously and his son's not I I don't, I haven't we interviewed him on the the podcast that I do the God's comedy one mm-hmm. and I can't remember if he said he's agnostic or atheist but um He's certainly not practicing and his dad's fine with that, which is I appreciate given that it's his son and he's yeah. a minister. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's going to come up and perform the service for us, which is, which I'm looking forward to. That's great. Um, how do you, how do you deal when people uh, say hateful things in the name of Christianity? And do you feel like on the flip side, do you feel like you need to defend Christianity depends what they're getting hateful about i think there's a lot of actions by by other christians or a lot of things that are done in the name of christ right who i can see why that would make someone hateful or angry right because i disagree with it as well Um, like where do you fall on gay marriage very pro it right so like when people i mean people throw like my my dad is a preacher Mm. and is in his pro gay marriage but obviously there are so many people that use Christianity as a reason for people to not get married and do you yeah and that upsets me especially having read through the New Testament a couple of times now and uh, there there are some bits that sort of seemed to mention gay relationships but actually there's a lot of arguments for the way it was translated and mm-hmm. the terms used right right um and I'm also very wary of the fact that the Bible was put together from a from a choice of books. There's a lot of books that didn't make the cut, mm-hmm. a lot of women that didn't make the cut. Right. <laughs> and I just – and while, like, the Bible is the closest thing I have to an account of what happened, but I'm also, I'm also very aware of the fact that it's not necessarily – the truth because you're getting a one one side of it right um and i try and bear that in mind so yeah i don't think that can all be applied to that i think the um i think the the parts i think the the parts where jesus is telling us how we can do better for for those around us by uh disciplining ourselves in terms of, I don't know, gossip or 
gossip can be really harmful Mm -hmm. and um, it's such a good way of making yourself feel better about yourself is by being horrible about others. And I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at gossip. It's a real weakness of mine, but you know, (laughs) it never actually makes you feel good when you you do it. No, it doesn't. Uh, No one ever walks away from talking shit about somebody and saying like, Oh yeah. It's a great great day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I let everyone know that uh, so-and-so cheated on so-and-so. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I just, I think. But yeah, so it's the, very the good hard. The parts to about it are so much stronger than like, than than the negative parts. And I yeah. think the um, when people focus on the negative parts, I think that's where a lot of, a lot of horribleness can come out. And I also mm. think it's where a lot of people can start to use it for their own agenda. Yeah. And I think the majority of people who are, who don't understand. Uh, sexuality and how it links in with um, ethics or moral. Mm. I think um, when you don't understand something, you you fear it and you go against it. And I think uh, that's it's just a convenient way of going. Oh, I don't get it. Oh, get it out of my face. <laughs> I don't want to even think about it. I don't want to think about the fact that there's people out there who work differently to me. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's the case with everything, isn't it, when it comes to mental health or True. not that I'm saying that people who are sexual have <laughs> mental health issues, but just in terms of, you know, it's where, like, racism and sexism and all those sorts mm-hmm. of com- things come in because people go, no, it's too much. I can't imagine what it's like to be a different person. Mm. I don't want to empathise. I just want to be me and associate with people like me, get right. rid of anything different. I think... I think it's I I, re- I really appreciate what a personal relationship you seem to have with your faith and it seems like I don't know having having been brought up in a very religious household um and but like going to church throughout my childhood and adolescence the it seems like uh or doesn't it seems like one of the one of the bad tastes I have in my mouth from that whole time was people that were Is so it bath oil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's from all the bath oils <laughs> I eat, all the bleach I swallowed. <laughs> I mean, really, after talking about like all the random things I've eaten, every like nothing I say matters because I'm the person who eats bleach. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, <laughs> there's some there. I'm just, I'm just one of the one of the bad tastes in my mouth was was left by people who, and this is not this is not Christianity doing this to them. This is this is how they arrive at mm. that. Like people that are just so much more obsessed with what everyone else is doing and fixing everybody else and not tending their own garden. Mm. And it sounds like the way that you're talking about pulling the plank out of their own eye. Right. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you are in a very committed relationship with a person who you've been with for a long time, who you're about to marry and he is not practicing and you are okay with that is really admirable. Well, I think think it's it's really nice. (laughs) As much as I, as much as I really feel, as much as I feel that there's a God and as much as I feel that there's been evidence to that in my personal experiences, and as much as I, I feel a connection or a relationship with Jesus, that said, I, I would say my relationship with Jesus is very much like 
when you have that friend who like, oh, I, I love <laughs> them so much, but you never hang them. out with them. Oh, right. You know, those ones. And then you do hang out and you go, why don't I do this more often? We get right. on so well. And then you don't hang uh, out well, with Well, he lives all the months. way in the sky. Oh, it's so far away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but as much as that is, as much as that's true to me and, and my life, it's it's in, it would be incredibly arrogant for me to say that that is the absolute undeniable truth overall, right? Because because as I said, everyone's different, and I and I can't I I can say that to me it feels real and it feels true and it means a lot to me. But I could be wrong. Mm. I'm not. You know, I don't have all the answers. Obviously, I believe that there is a God who does have all the answers, but that isn't to say that there is one. And um, as much as I don't want to think that there isn't one or that I'm wrong, I just, I can't, I can't tell other people that it's right. When you think of God, what does God look like? And what is, what is he or she wearing? Uh, it's a strange thing. Whenever I visualize God, um, it goes back to when I lived in Melbourne and I'm, I don't know what I envisioned before this, but now whenever I think of God, I think of when I was walking, I used to walk to work from my, from my house and it would go through a park. And I remember one morning, it was just the most beautiful day. One of those ones where you feel the sun on the back of your legs and it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a small child's hugging them, you know, that kind of warmth. <laughs> And I remember looking up and seeing just the leaves on the tree and and the sun hitting them and all the different colours it made and, and how intricate the leaves were and, like, how I could never make a leaf. You know, I could never mm. physically make a leaf. I'm sure there's scientists will do it. I'm <laughs> sure they already have, but I can't. And it just – I just felt with – I just felt filled with so much love and wonder and mm. – and just that that childlike excitement that you only get hit with occasionally as an adult mm-hmm. and 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 that was when i went oh that's god and so i can't put a face or anything it's like when you have mm. a dream and you know you've dreamt about someone but you can't explain what they look like right like, that's how i feel about god so to me god is like the sun hitting a leaf which is a little bit lame i realize right. but um it's probably the best <laughs> visual visualization i get i find mm. it hard to shake the stereotypical jesus look sure um oh which is and this annoying is because i know he's not the beard white. that's your your type is oh jesus. yeah oh geez yeah it's a homeless guy it's a guy without shoes <laughs> yeah oh, that is your mate. type yeah because i don't think he had a home did he, he and your traveling. fiance does not look unlike jesus a white one he looks like a white jesus yes he looks like he, a scottish a white he scottish, is a scottish one he does not look like Jesus of the Middle East, right? That way, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Anglicized Jesus, anglicized Jesus. I think that is my type. <laughs> we've, we've figured that this out. But I and, I and I apologize if you've mentioned this on one of your previous podcasts. But mm. what is your stance at the moment? Uh, I am uh, not not practicing. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm very much. I don't know. I'm I'm figuring it out. I. I don't spend a lot of time with my dad. I don't feel I would not identify myself as Christian. Uh, but I'm, I don't know, it's, it's, it's something that I'm kind of excited by right now because of figuring it out. Mm. I also sometimes I just like the idea of uh, worshiping something totally arbitrary and weird. <laughs> um, and sometimes I trick myself into, uh, 
into that. But I lately, I think the thing is, um, I would describe myself as humanist, I guess, even though that's not really a religion. But I've been very into Walt Whitman lately. And I don't know, you describing the leaf. That's, that's, I've, I, that resonates with me. I hear that. I feel, I have a lot of moments like that with natural things and also just like seeing what I would describe as God in people and things like that Mm. is how I feel. But yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Get back to me tomorrow. I'll figure it out tonight. (laughs) Well, I think (laughs) on, yeah, I think I know when you're asking about my friends who, who are either atheist or or believe in different things, uh, what I find interesting is sometimes I see more of what I recognize as God or at least the love of God. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I see that more in them than I do fellow Christians. That isn't to badmouth all Christians, right. but, but I think that's one of the things is that I, I, I do love, I really love my friends, and when I see the, some of the things that they say or do for each other and the way they act, I don't know, it's really hard for me to not feel like that that comes from a sort of a shared mm. uh, power. Yeah. And to me, that that that's God, mm-hmm. but I totally get why other people would would see that as something else. Right? Yeah i i i do I do believe in like a like a greater connectedness mm. for sure. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know how. Yeah, where I land on that. It's a weird thing. It's such. A, it's 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 arguably the most important thing, and yet I'm like, oh, I should give some time to <laughs> thinking about what that is. So, but it's so easy when there's Netflix just to <laughs> not think about it, isn't it? Yeah. Like even I, I struggle so much with that. I know I, you know, I'm here on the podcast saying, Oh, I'm Christian. I believe in God and Jesus and stuff. But really when I'm faced with it, I'm like, Oh, I should really look at those prayer points <laughs> that I wrote down a month ago that I said that I would write about, you know, like yeah. I do a thing called morning pages, which mm-hmm. is um, something a lot of uh, artists do to kind of unblock. So it's right. where you do sort of three A4 pages. The artist way. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> um, uh, but I've been using it as a as an excuse to do like a prayer journal type mm. thing. I say that I've been using it. The last time I did it was probably about six months ago. <laughs> but that's like my thing where I'm like, oh, I'll do a big old blah, I'll do a big old blurty prayer yeah, thing. Yeah. And, um, and you know what? I just go, oh, I've just downloaded me Tomo on my phone. I want to see how my <laughs> knee's doing. Oh, look, it's walking around asking questions. How yeah. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I, I wish I didn't get such a rush from putting off things that I know are really good for me. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll do whatever I want. Ha. But really the only person who's suffering is me. Like there's no teacher that I'm making angry. It's really just. No, it's really it's so much harder when you don't have someone to answer to, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I um, <laughs> thank you for talking to me so much about this about Christianity. But what is it like? My my biggest question, which I haven't asked you yet, is what is it like being a Christian comedian in 2016? Yeah. Um, and you're not. And you were saying earlier before we started recording that you perform mostly for secular. Yeah, audiences. I just do normal comedy clubs. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's what's one thing I noticed is, first of all, because I, so I, yeah, I've mentioned it briefly before. I do a podcast called Gods of Comedy mm-hmm. with another performer, a storyteller called Bridie Lee Kennedy. She's another Aussie. And we interview comedians about what they believe in or what they don't believe in or what they grew up being told. And 
we uh, one thing we thought we would end up getting a lot like we would interview a bunch of comics and they would all talk about how they're atheist because because that's what everything proves and how stupid are we <laughs> and um, and what was amazing is the amount of people who we just had assumed were atheists. Mm-hmm. Who, while we were talking to them, we'd say, so what do you believe? And then they'd go, oh, well, I guess I'm agnostic. Or like, I guess because so many, because they are intelligent, this is, I'm doing a lot of like, but I'm not saying this on this podcast. I, that's the, the I'm, I'm not in the saying same, in the atheists same boat. are, are uh, stupid. What I am saying though, is that it's, I think it, I can see why people who don't know who, who don't know either way would mm-hmm. go, well, I'm not going to say that there is or isn't a God because I can't prove that either way. Yeah. So I think similar to Christianity, when you say you're atheist, you feel like you need to defend it in a big way because yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very clear choice. But it is becoming a more and more um, acceptable choice, I think, mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. comedy. I, I guess there's probably a lot of areas where <laughs> it's better if you're Christian. But I definitely think it's pretty cool to say you're atheist, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, in, and in comedy, there's um, – you do hear a lot of jokes which are very much um, – I, I, the amount of times I've heard the line of um, – uh, the Bible being a, a fictitious book, or I don't believe in Jesus because I'm not an idiot, or mm-hmm. um, uh, oh, the the fairy tale that is God, or so you know, like mm-hmm. the amount of times that those just get casually bandied around, like yeah. that's a given. I actually, it's getting to the point now that I'm like, oh, it's a cheap. Like it's not even you haven't even thought about that now. Sure, now yeah. you're just saying that to try and get a laugh, and it's actually been said so much <laughs> that I'm seeing atheist audience go and yeah. like they're like and the punchline like right, oh okay yeah. you're just saying that because <laughs> you're trying to make a make yourself look smart. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's definitely a lot cooler to be an atheist, I think, in comedy, and then you can rant and and tell everyone how how stupid it is to believe in anything. <laughs> uh, so do you ever feel uncool as a oh as yeah, a Christian? yeah. But I've always felt uncool I've right. always felt uncool um, do you have jokes about being Christian in your act um, so I, I did a bit in my show before so the, the show I did two years ago I, I, I talked about um, the book of Mark and how in all the gospels Jesus like heals the blind man and um, like in John it says that um, Jesus uh, spat into some dirt and rubbed the mud on his eyes and and that cured him and the others it just sort of says he he healed him but in the book of Mark it just says that he spat onto his eyes mm-hmm. and I just find that really funny <laughs> that I'm, I'm like why are we not questioning this <laughs> What like this is where this is where the problems occur because we read things like that and go okay and it's like no let's question it like let's question the Bible let's yeah. talk about this um so much of it comes out in discussion so it's kind of me sort of talking about both the issues I have with it and at the same time going oh you know like obviously I to an extent I believe this but I think it merits debate and mm. I think we should talk about it um. So I, I, I do talk about that a bit. That was kind of the first time I sort of came out mm. as a Christian. When I first started, I did a lot of stuff about being Christian because when you first start, you only do the things that you know that are immediately different about you. So right. 
you get a lot of comics you go i know what you're thinking i look like a cross between this guy and this guy and everyone goes, did you ever do? have that joke no i would have if i'd started in britain because i <laughs> right. realized moving here that that is the going joke <laughs> but uh when i started i um back in adelaide i i was about 18 and yeah and i did i did stuff about waiting until marriage and it was mm-hmm. about like checking out a guy and then holding his hand and going on a date and stuff. Like my friends would see guys and be like, yeah, I'd do him. And I'd be like, oh, I'd go take him home to meet my parents and then <laughs> start a long-term relationship and get some pets together. And then he wants a cat and he calls it Dennis and I don't like the name Dennis. And then it just goes on and on like about right. this relationship growing, all the difficulties we had. <laughs> it's a really long joke. And the punchline is just, then we get married and then I do him. And <laughs> And it was like one of my earliest jokes and and then I kind of started to write more and more jokes and realised I had different different ways of storytelling and stuff and, and then I stopped talking about being a Christian because mm-hmm. at the time, and Adelaide's not a huge city, so anyone who watched comedy a lot kind of knew that already about me, so right, it was yeah. like old news. Yeah, yeah. So I just stopped talking about it. So by the time I moved over to the UK, I I was already out of the habit of talking about it and mm-hmm. it wasn't until I mentioned it in my show two years ago that people went, oh! <laughs> so, yeah. So I was kind that of, kind of exciting? Yeah, it was a bit, yeah. yeah. And what was – I mean, there was some who knew about the podcast, but um, generally it was quite well well received. And then in this year's show, I very briefly mention it because I talk about the first time I met Jehovah's Witness and how and how I felt like – I felt really excited because I sort of feel like we're related, like we have the same dad but different families and theirs is really strict and I don't want to stay with them on the weekend, like that kind of thing. So, um, but, yeah, I don't I don't really talk about it a huge amount. I'd love to talk about it in a way that was both um, respectful to my faith but also funny but also not alienating. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't found that yet. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all I've been able to do is sort of briefly go, I'm Christian, and then that's it. That's all I've been able to find. <laughs> that's enough, you know. Um, but I don't really talk about it that much. I saw a very – there's a comic called um, Joshua Ross who I am going to tell his joke on this podcast because I don't know if he's still doing comedy, but he is great. Joshua Ross, you should check him out. I'm pretty sure he's on Twitter. Mm. And he had a bit – where he would say to the audience, put your hands up if you believe in God. And it was usually either just me or, like, one other person. Mm-hmm. And then he would say, put your hands up if you don't believe in God. And the majority of the room would put up their hands. And then he would say, now, if you put up your hand to say that you believe in God. Uh, sorry, if you don't believe it. Hang on. I've, <laughs> I've ruined his joke. Then he'd say, if you do believe in God and you didn't put up your hand just then. That means that you're more afraid of me than you are of God. <laughs> and he's not, uh, he's actually a Jewish comic, but I remember, and I think not a practicing one, but I remember seeing that. I'd seen it loads of times, but I remember seeing it in a, in a very small room in Edinburgh 
And this woman just laughed, but like uncontrollably, <laughs> like she laughed for ages, oh, wow. like almost really? crying. Got, and I yeah. think it had been a bit of an awakening for her. Like yeah. she, she hadn't put her hand up to say she believed in God, mm. but I, I feel that she does. And for her, it was a way of going, Oh shit, this is where my faith is right now. Yeah. And I don't know if that was the beginning of the end for her, but it was, I think she really experienced something quite powerful yeah um possibly devastating but um (laughs) but yeah it was it was was such a good bit and it's one of those ones where you go oh I wish I'd written it I mean I never would have written it because I can't even remember the correct joke as it is but um yeah it's a strong strong bit Mm. so you're you're getting married this summer yes yeah how um how long have you been engaged to be married uh, we've been when we get married. We would have been engaged for three years. Okay. Uh, because when he proposed after five years, um, and I I wasn't expecting it. We were still living in a in a flat share. And uh, what is a flat share? Uh, oh, like like a flat like this one that we're mm-hmm. in, but with other people. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we had we had one flatmate, but it still wasn't exactly what I was. You know, I didn't want to right. be married living having to share because I can't afford my own place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was one thing. I wasn't expecting to be engaged while still in a flat share. And uh, and also he at the time was working for a bed shop and I don't. And th- that is that is what I think it is where you a sell shop beds. Sells beds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. Like, <laughs> um, yeah so it does he- sound like a really cute name for a brothel. <laughs> It, oh my gosh, it does. Yeah. Oh, imagine if he worked in a brothel. That would be interesting. That would the Quite podcast the would story. then be three hours long. <laughs> would I would insist have the on best solo show ever. Yes. <laughs> I would definitely win an award. Uh, <laughs> um, he, yeah, and, and like there was nothing wrong with that, but it wasn't. I knew that wasn't what he wanted to do. He's always wanted to write, and mm. he's a very good writer. Um, and, but he wasn't writing. He he would exhaust himself and retail work and come yeah. home and relax and and I I also did not imagine us being married and him not doing what he wants to do mm-hmm. um and he'd been so supportive of me in my career so I was like oh we know we need to sort this out and we kind of did like a massive uphaul actually after we got engaged uh, where I was like, right, we need to, we need to work out, we need to fix this before we get married. So, yeah. cause anything that might end up being, an, it was like going through a house and going, oh yeah, no, that that's going to need redoing. Yeah. And that's, there's that's damp hard. there. We're going to have to get that out. <laughs> like you don't buy a yeah. house until it's, you know, exactly what you wanted it to be, or you don't move in until you're, it's right. livable. Yeah. So I was like, right, we can't just sit on this for, for, we need to start making the changes before it's too late. So, uh, I, um, so for me, he used to write a lot for me and I wouldn't write unless he was around. So, mm. uh, and then I, I wouldn't write new stuff and because he'd be busy and I blame it on him or <laughs> I wouldn't, um, book in a, a gig because he couldn't come with me. Like mm. I really depend, I put so much dependence on him. And so I was like, right, I'm going to write my show without you mm. and I'm going to actively go out and do that and I'm going to go see shows with that if you if I want to do something I'm not going to see if you're available to come and do it with me yeah like I will but, but right. if you can't do it I won't not do it mm-hmm. um and so I started making changes there and and that was actually when I started to do the new testament thing because I'd mm. really strayed from my faith and and I was like right I'm gonna need some strength right about now mm-hmm. so 
um, got back into um, praying and and um, trying to get myself back up to where I want to be spiritually and then sort of paying more attention to my friends and, and relationships and and bits in my life that I wanted to fix. And he, he'd he always wanted to do the hermit thing, like he'd always wanted to mm. live in the middle of nowhere sure. and like write a book or that sort of thing. So <laughs> I was like, right, go do that. Go do that now because, mm. um, you know, if if we end up with a mortgage, it's going to be a lot di- more difficult one day. So go yeah. do that now. And so he went up to the middle of nowhere in Scotland in the moors where he had to oh, walk wow. six miles to the closest <laughs> shop. And and um, and so he went and he lived in this cottage for three months or two oh, months, wow. two and a bit months. Mm-hmm. And I went up to visit him halfway through his time there. And it was terrifying at night. It's such a nice picturesque. You got the rolling moors yeah, and, yeah. and this gorgeous little cottage and it was warm and lovely. And, and at night you'd hear like footsteps and you'd be like, I know that's not a person because oh, we're in the middle of nowhere. It was so, he used to sleep with a stick next to the bed because oh, he was like, if it is a person, I'm going to hit them. Oh, um, it what was, was he working on when he was up there? Uh, he had a few like short stories and stuff mm-hmm. that he was working on, but I think that was what made him realize he'd been sort of viewing the hermit life as, um, oh, that's what's stopping me from writing. Right. I don't have yeah. peace and quiet. I need to go in the middle of nowhere right. and do this. Mm. And then I think he suddenly realized, oh, no, he still will find things to distract himself <laughs> with because that's what we do. Yeah. And if he wants to write something, he's just going to have to sit down and write it. He can't yeah. go, oh, I need to go to this other place and do it. What a, that's such a mature move for you two as partners to Oh, it's allow the relationship. To, that's great. I don't know if we – I'm not sure if we would be – together even if we hadn't addressed that because I think yeah there would have been because you were blaming many. that those un- unfinished things on each other before that. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. and it was getting in the way of it was the reason it was the real reason that they were in it like I had loads of insecurities and I was taking them out on him and vice mm-hmm. versa and and Can I, think I ask it just, what kind of insecurities um I, I guess for me it was more that I didn't think that I could do things without his help Mm. or um, without someone's support. And then I realised the fun- the interesting thing is when he was away for, for three months, because he did go to Glasgow after he was in the cottage and catch up with his old mates um, for like a couple of weeks, while I was – I was we were still living with our other flatmate, so I wasn't alone or anything. I, I still had company around around the place. But I thought I would just be – so I did miss him a lot, but I, mm-hmm. I thought that I wouldn't be able to get anything done and that I'd be mm-hmm. really miserable. And I I had a great time. Like yeah. I, I missed him, but I I went to the movies on my own mm-hmm. and and I wrote more than I've ever written and I, I, I had this an incredible feeling of independence. And I remember thinking before I went up to see him, oh, this is bad. Like I'm uh. getting on by fine without him. That's mm. bad. And then I went up and saw him and I and I went, oh, no, I, I miss your company and I, yeah. I really like being around you and we, we do work together really well when we're happy. Yeah. And it makes a relationship so much more special and loving when you know that you can do without the other person, really. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. And then I and then I got back to London and um, and then missed him, but still still had a great time and then I was really confused because I thought maybe he'd get back to London and I'd have to be like 
I I don't need you. <laughs> I thought that was what was going to happen. Mm. And he came back to London and I was so happy and I loved having him back. And we got, you know, we, we hung out and, and did stuff. But at the same time, I, I felt really confident in myself mm-hmm. and I wasn't, I, I wasn't, uh, snapping at him so much or picking on him or mm-hmm. um making him feel I used to give him the biggest guilt trips for not coming out with me. Yeah. I occasionally do that still, but nowhere near the amount that I used to and <laughs> and um and vice versa. He was less quick to anger and um mm-hmm. not <laughs> yeah, he wasn't like horrible, but no, <laughs> there was like a lot less we still bicker, but it wasn't like bickering to the point that you would be like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. And and that's when I realized, oh, no, I don't – I'm not with him because I need to be. I'm with him because I want to be. Yeah. And that, like, made such an amazing difference. And it was at that point that I went, okay, yeah, now now we're getting somewhere. Now we can – Yeah. Uh, now be good. Um, and uh, our careers have, have gone better because of it as well. I started to get way more opportunities in comedy than I'd had before and – he started working for the National Theatre and then he met yeah. loads of people within the theatre there and and he's writing more and, and it's still difficult. Don't get me wrong, this hasn't, this hasn't been like an overnight success. But, uh, yeah, I think the real key was to to realise that we both would just needed to work on ourselves in order to be happy with each other. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really... <clears throat> That's really beautiful. I'm very happy for you guys. Oh, That's thanks. Very nice. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much for talking Sorry, to me. You can interview us in six years when we're divorced and fighting over <laughs> the house or something. Oh, we won't have a house if we live in London. <laughs> Never going to have a house. <laughs> well, it's a plan then. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. That was the podcast. I would like to thank you for listening. If you have an idea for what you would like to call the listeners of This Feels Terrible, please tweet at me, at Erin McGathy. You can find Beck Hill and all of her upcoming dates. She's going to be doing a run at the Soho Theater at her website, which is beckhillcomedian.com. I am going to be touring the United States in July, and those dates are uh, upcoming. So please just keep keep me in your hearts. All right. Be brave, be kind. Megath attack. Feral audio. Your home is important. That's why Geico helps make it easy to save on homeowners insurance because home is more than just a place. Home is where you build a giant pillow fort in your living room. And when people ask why you have a pillow fort in your living room, you say it's for your dog. And when they ask, well, what kind? You say, "Uh, chocolate lab. And we have a web of lies that's almost as intricate as the crown molding in Fort Pillow. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the pillow soft fortress you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowner's insurance.